I do have another couple of bets here just to say that no one is taking bets on these because it's just it's not going to happen. Um, so that's both Labour being 20 points ahead in a poll and um, no one is taking bets on Marc Francois showing up to Parliament again. I met a traveller from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold disdain tell that its sculptor wealth was passions read, which yet survive, stamped on those lifeless things, the tweets that mocked them from those commies read, and on the pedestal these words appear. We are podcasting is praxis. Betting kings. Look on our odds, Marc Francois, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the dismay of that colossal own. Boundless and bare, the dumbass, smooth-brained takes, stretch far away. So, David, I have stolen the pod crown, and if you want to reclaim it, we need to have a, a discussion first. At the close right. of last episode, you offered some odds. I did, yes. And it was on Marc Francois returning to Parliament. Could you could you remind us what, what those odds were, David? Oh, no, we didn't give any odds on that. Yeah, and why was that, David? Because it was a funny thing to say for a podcast. <laughs> <sighs> you know that whole yes and thing where you like play along or something? <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, I'm owned in return. Fine. David, have your crown back. Yeah, there we go. That's it. How are we doing, folks? We're good. I'm keeping a safe distance from everyone. Sounds wise. Um, you know, happy list happy new year to to anyone who's who's listening uh to this. And you know, I I stood on I stood outside at, at the bang of, of midnight, um and there were fireworks and everything, and, and I was talking to my fiance and I said 
well, she said, well, why do people do this? Because like, you know, tomorrow morning is just going to be much the same as yesterday. So I said, no, I'm going to choose that 2021 is a year of new hope that we will leave things behind us and, you know, go forward in the spirit of optimism. It is now five days later and, and the amount of people I want to strangle with cat guts is rapidly mounting. <laughs> that I can completely understand. Yeah. Mood. Big fucking mood. Did you guys like? Did you guys hear fireworks at midnight? Just out of curiosity. No. What's worse is I heard fireworks at eleven o'clock. <laughs> mm. um, I heard fireworks from about eight p.m. till about eight a.m. But then that's just living round about Glasgow. So mm. I looked out my window at midnight because I heard the bang, bang, etc. of the fireworks going off. And uh, there's all my neighbours from the, the block I'm in, um, all gathered around fireworks, no social distancing and no masks. Fantastic. Waitering in the year. Love it. We had a bunch of fireworks go off at like half past ten and then nothing else. Like, I think people just got fucking sick of waiting. Just <laughs> set them off now and then we can all go to bed early. <laughs> Can't have let's, a proper party, so let's just get it over and done with. And I yeah. have to say as well, fireworks going off outside made tenants so much more audible. It was It was incredible. <laughs> so you're uh, you're not a fan of the greatest new blockbuster to ever grace the earth, Jamie? It was um it was alright, you know. It was it was fun. It didn't really um I mean I know I'm I'm the cinema disrespecter, so everyone's gonna fucking yell at me for saying I like Christopher Nolan, but I do actually quite like Christopher Nolan. And it's the first one of his films that I've never I've not felt any real emotional connection to. Like, there was a couple of bits where it's like you realise, like, I mean, obviously it's a time travel thing, so there's a couple of bits where you realise that, like, the mystery from earlier is actually, like, it's going to be him, but running backwards or some shit, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where you go, oh yeah, that's quite clever, Chris, but there wasn't any point where I actually, like, gave a shit about any of the characters. (laughs) Um, That lad from Twilight was quite good, though. He should be in more stuff. Yeah, I've heard he's actually a pretty nice guy. Uh, it's just that obviously the first thing he got his break with was fucking interminable. Is that Pattinson? Was he in it? I didn't even know he was in it. He is, yeah. And I, yeah. I, descri- I deliberately described him as so many people do as Twilight guy because I can never remember. <laughs> but we know who you're on Pat- about. If, I can never remember if his name's Patterson or Pattinson. That's why. That's why everyone calls him R. Pat. I think because <laughs> they don't have to remember. <laughs> I think I saw an interview with him yesterday where he did say that, like, yeah, for about 90% of the time when we were filming Tenet, I had literally no idea what the fuck was going on with the plot. Mm. <laughs> no, I mean, it feels, it, it, it felt it felt quite like Jason Bourne. Like, as in mm. the... the, the That's the pretty fucking, high praise. The film, no, no, the film named Jason Bourne, you know, the one where they came back to sort of reboot it. Oh, oh. With, uh, Je- with, with Jeremy Matt. Rennett. No, Whatever, with Matt Damon, the one after Jeremy Renner. Where... Oh fuck me, there was another one. Yeah, it's just called it's just called Jason Bourne, and it's absolute dog shit. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, what they did was um, they wanted to do another Jason Bourne, and uh, Matt Damon basically went, "All right, I want more money," and they said, "Well, fuck you, we can do this without you." And so they did like a spin-off Jason Bourne without Jason Bourne with a new actor following the same formula, and it was really good actually. I really enjoyed it. I quite liked um, it. Yeah. And then uh, that was sufficient for Matt Damon to come back to the table, but you can tell he really didn't give a fucking shit, because when he did the next <laughs> one, Jason Bourne, he totally phoned it in. It was dog it's, shit. Um, it, the, the director is, is like what I'm talking about, though, because like, everyone complained about Paul Greengrass's Bourne films. Oh, the shaky cam, you can't see what's happening. 
and like fucking he clearly came he clearly got like they just gave him a, like a lorry full of money to come back and do another one and he <laughs> didn't really want to do it and so he was just like oh you complain about my shaky cam well I'll fucking show you and so every scene is shot in pitch darkness with the camera attached to like a fucking paint shaker and like you know what I mean Matt Damon's like doing fucking like kung fu on some guy but you can't see it because like the camera's just rolling down a fucking like endless staircase do you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and so, like, uh, Tenet was like that, because people complain about the audio mix in Nolan's films, and this felt mm. very much like Nolan had just gone, oh, I'll fucking show you what a bad audio mix is. <laughs> <laughs> it just a series of incredibly baffling, like, decisions as far as the sound direction goes. Like, there's two people talking on a boat as it's, like, cutting across the fucking ocean, and they just didn't give a... F- they just The sound guy's presumably on another boat, like, in the distance. You could just... <laughs> It's like, are they talking about the waves? It's just fucking deafening, do you know what I mean? And, and it's like that all the way through. There was bits where, there was bits where like, my family was sat, like, just, do you know what I mean, like nursing headaches because the, the audio was just so <laughs> overwhelming. You couldn't hear what people were saying. I imagine I imagine it was physically crippling if you watched it in fucking IMAX, do you know what I mean? So no wonder people, people came out of it, like, complaining. So are you saying he should have finished after Memento? Um, no. Well, if, if we're doing, I'll, I'll do one more movie uh, plug. If we're doing movie bit, I watched um, on New Year's Eve. I watched uh, Soul, the the new Pixar thing. That is fucking excellent. I will heartily recommend that to anybody. All right, sounds good. Just, just, just go and watch it. It's genuinely, I, I was personally genuinely moved by it, and that make may make me like a sad whatever consumerist child i don't care i thought it was very lovely and well animated and discussed some good themes and we had some great fucking music so yeah i don't know i loved it there's nothing wrong with being moved by a film i mean jamie was moved at least a few inches across the living room watching tenet to sheer vibrations <laughs> of it so oh yeah i mean the thing is like the thing is you mock but if you if you if you want to we set him off like, again and never and never cry at films then what the fuck are you watching them for mm. yeah i I don't know, and credit to you, Rob, given everything that's happened the past few days, let alone the past year, I think a little bit of childish escapism is maybe a fucking necessity to maintain Hell sanity yes. in this hellscape, especially with the news I know you're about to read us, David. Talking, of, talking mm-hmm. about like um, talking about being moved by films, right? Like, Remember at the end of the fucking Nolan's Batman trilogy, where Michael Caine like, is at the gra- Batman's graveside, spoilers, everyone, mm. And he gives that really moving <laughs> performance where he's like grieving for him and like and and it's like you know what I mean? It's like really, really moving. And um, Michael Caine appears in Tenet for literally two minutes and he's eating a plate of fucking chips the entire time <laughs> while delivering his dialogue. And it's just it's such a fucking like it's such an absolute fuck you to the audience. It's incredible. Like I don't know if you've ever heard Michael Caine act through a mouth a mouthful of chips, but it's fucking brilliant. Like highly recommend it for that scene alone. So oh, brilliant! Oh fucking hell! Um, right, let's let's get off movies now, um, and we'll, we'll maybe just talk about some of the news. Um, Don't want us depressing. I know it's depressing, but that's why we're here to depress each other and our listeners. Julian Assange, will we start there? Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Americans can't have him. Nope. Yes. No, they not can, I'm getting conflicting conflicting reports from you there, lads. Mm. Yeah, well, <laughs> can the Americans the have them or not? 
according to the judge, legally, he has fucked up enough that they totally should ship him off to Americans, and the Americans are totally within their rights to demand him to try him for political crimes, etc. But, but, because their prison system will result in them getting Epsteined, they're not going to give him <laughs> to the Americans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that seems, seems legit. <laughs> it was an extraordinary fucking verdict. I mean, essentially, uh, James has it exactly right. Like we, we can't, we can't extradite him to America because it's not a real country. <laughs> yeah, because because essentially, like shipping him to the U.S. prison system would be like cruel and inhuman punishment, and the U.K. well does that, but just not when it comes to extraditions. That that, but the other part, like the substantive part of the argument that like the U.K. government and the intelligence services and the U.S. governments were making, uh, you know, were all held up. So. The judge ruled that investigative journalism, like the things that um, Assange did, can now be cl classified as espionage. Um, free speech does not, and freedom of, ex uh, of expression do not actually exist and do not include, and this is a quote from the judge, um, unfettered discretion by Mr. Assange to decide what he's going to publish. So the right to publish doesn't actually fully exist. And she also said, had we shipped him off to the United, United States, I'm perfectly content that he would have gotten a fair trial and no more than four to six years in prison. Just uh, amazing. And you were saying I that you were getting most... conflicted messages from me and Rob? Well, I mean, yeah, because you both like literally said the opposite <laughs> to each other. And you, I know mean, I'm, you know I'm using What was that? <laughs> um, yeah, the most amazing thing about this for me was that David Davis was apparently right about it. Yeah, like, fucking hell. I saw this on Twitter where David Davis is like, uh, we absolutely shouldn't deport him under any circumstances. The law around this is garbage and dog shit. Uh, we, the law is written such that we can deport to America for political crimes, but America absolutely will not under any circumstance, like, give, they don't have to give anyone back. For example, that woman who's oh, the wife of the US not, diplomat. It's not, even that, it's not even that they won't have to, they don't have to give anyone back. They'll just, like, happily fucking, like, help people flee the country to avoid yeah. like punishment. He, he was making a very strong point. He's like, the whole thing needs to be torn up and reformed. And it's like, fucking hell, stopped clock and all. Jesus. <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, to be fair, as, as an SAS soldier, he would probably be at high risk of, of, of being uh, deported to other countries. Yeah, but only on weekends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's SAS standard for soft as shit. Um, yeah. So essentially, he's not being deported which is extremely good, um, but only because the U.S. Uh, prison system is so horrendous that it's like a human rights abuse to send people there. But like all the grounds on which he was being tried, they were all correct. So, you know, it's exceedingly mixed blessings. Hmm. Yeah, it's the second worst of all possible verdicts, basically. Yeah. Um, happily, though, happily, the U.S. government is appealing and he's probably going to be continue to be held in custody until that appeal is resolved, essentially. Um, so, you know, like, it would be interesting to see if, like, Monkey's Paw style, their appeal results in the court saying, oh, well, you could deport him, but actually, uh, the, you know, the decision of a lower court uh, about his, uh, you know, uh, liability, etc., is overruled, and, like, act in a ping-pong way like that. I think that would be the funniest outcome, so it's what I want to happen. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Assange and, like, uh, whatever is going on. Like, that Sweden shit was probably ginned up by some intelligence service. But, like, I mean, clearly, you know, purely on grounds of freedom of the press and freedom of expression, 
there's no way that this guy, guy should be in jail. And like, I the, the precedent. I mean, you know, UK journalism is fucking horrifying. But like, the few people who do actually do good work would be incredibly heavily impacted had he also been extradited. And people would have just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, anything you want to publish that doesn't go along with the state. Yeah, that's just treason now. I mean, the reason The Guardian has been dog shit, I mean, it's been dog shit for a long time, but it's been especially dog shit since the whole, you know, Julian Assange thing, because the intelligence services turned up, um, murked their hard drives, not that that made any difference because it was all in the cloud anyway, and then what they did was they invited the, I think then, no, we got in a new editor and invited that new editor onto, like, the special classified board of engagement with the intelligence services and basically co-opted them into the system. And so now The Guardian doesn't do actual state-critical investigative journalism anymore. Yeah, like, there's no joke here. It's just all fucking... No, that's, that's, that, there is no joke. That is just genuinely how it, how it goes now. The joke is that we all still live in this country. Including <sighs> Julian Assange, thankfully. <laughs> it does mean there is now a chance that one of us could get killed for treason at some point soon. Um, well, I, I live in hope. Well, no, actually, that's yeah. you'd have to consider us journalists <laughs> at that point, and I'm not sure we're there yet. I I don't want to be considered a journalist in the United Kingdom. Comrades, I, I, comrades, no. this is for discussion down at the docks after the podcast. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Um, so uh, a nice wee report's come out by the Wealth Tax Commission, um, stating that one percent of the population of the UK owns 25% of all the wealth. Yeah, and it's Standard. fucking superb. I'm very happy with the situation. Uh, excuse Great. me whilst I just go take a shit in my solid gold toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason is they are no, they are now own 25% because of this. I, I skimmed the report a little bit. It's just apparently the national statistic doesn't count certain types of wealth. It doesn't ca- account for them properly. Anyway, they say they have a better method. Um, and instead of 18% or like 20, they own an extra 5 to 7% of all the wealth. And that's essentially because anybody before 2008, and especially right now, if you, before that time, if you owned land or shares or your own home, you will have made out like a fucking bandit. Like if you were wealthy or had assets before everything went to shit, then there's no government too small, no bank too big. Uh, there's nothing these people cannot do to like jam more wealth into your fucking trousers and so the estimate is that between 75 to 95 percent of all financial wealth in the last 10 odd years has been generated through existing assets so if you didn't own anything if you didn't own a home or shares or farmland or fuck knows what you have nothing if you have debts if you're a renter if you're essentially most people you have nothing and you will not get anything because the spiral is just getting fucking worse and just I oh so that that squeaking inflating noise in the background is that seb or is that the housing market i'm finding it hard to tell no it kind of pisses Uh, me off the, the vast number of people in this country that don't believe that there is any kind of inequality or the fact that if you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps then you can get you can get ahead you've just got to work that a little bit harder and then you can do it if you just save a little bit more how can we say when the interest rate is what it is just inherit a shipping container full of Fabergé eggs yeah mm. <laughs> just ask my parents for a small loan of a hundred thousand it's fine yeah simple as and the the prediction at the moment is is that whatever economic recovery happens when and if we get out of the fucking COVID thing which 
I think uh. we'll spend quite a lot of time talking about later. Um, they're now talking what is known about uh, about a K-shaped recovery, which sounds a bit weird, but it essentially means like if you have a capital K, the split oh, in the middle is like e- economics can just economics can just eat my entire ass with a spoon, quite frankly. Like a fucking K-shaped recovery. <laughs> Fuck off. No, I mean it's I essentially think... translate as to what this report says, which is if you have assets, if you have wealth, you are predicted to do extremely well. If you are a white collar worker who can work from home behind a laptop all day and you know send emails to each other t- to get more money you will be better off than you ever were before if you're anybody else if you're a student if you're in unsure work if you're on zero hours if you work in the service industry if you work anywhere else your prospects are fucking dire and not getting any better it's almost as though uh, hear me out on this all the all the official economics talk about the different ideas of what money actually is and it's it's almost as though that at root it's a proportionate share of like social influence and power yeah. and as a consequence of this as some people the majority of people get less and less and less by its very nature those who have some and hold on to it like that share becomes proportionally more and more and more it almost suggests that there's a need for some kind of i don't know revolution maybe maybe just like tearing down the entire system salting the earth burning the ground starting again i'm i'm i I, david politely asked me not to uh get this podcast done in for incitement to violence so i i will will not say anything at this point because i i mean this is essentially it's the piketty argument again you know people who rent tierism people who have wealth make money on their wealth make money on that wealth and essentially that spiral continues upward and if you don't have wealth you're fucked. You're just not getting it. No, and you never will. Unless what you in, unless your parents die and you get their house, and then maybe you have a shot, but by that time you'll have so much, I don't know, student debt, credit card debt, any other kind of mm. debt, you may need to sell the house to get on top of your debt so you can make new ones. And with most, most people living longer now, you're not going to get that inheritance until you're like 60, 70 anyway. Ah, pretty much. You're, you're right, David. That is a good question. What is to be done? What is to be done, indeed? In fact, here's an idea. Why don't you Google it? Google, Go to Google and Google what is to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe Google see what comes up. Answer. Yeah, I think yeah. Mike Duncan did a really good podcast on this one. <laughs> uh, nice. Very nice. Very good. Very good. That is a pro recommend as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, right. Um, well, economists are assholes. We've, we've kind of established that long ago anyway on this podcast but um why don't we take a little peek into the the meltdown well i say meltdown series of meltdowns um <laughs> a cascade of meltdowns in the hackersphere and so let's start we'll start with alison pearson oh, God. um <laughs> alison <laughs> pearson who writes for the times hmm. telegraph same thing um yeah, Alison Pearson, who writes for The Telegraph, uh, decided that she was going to do a little bit of seemingly lawfare-ish action on Twitter mm. against the scientist. Oh, I saw that because, one. Yeah, that was absolutely nuts. Yeah. I, I have no context of this one. Tell us the story, David. Well, what basically, basically what happened was, right, a nine-year-old daughter came to her and asked her for some beans. <laughs> 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 okay, that one I do know. Alison Beanson. <laughs> oh, 
Now, essentially what happened was like she did some she's one of the like the virus isn't real people, right? Like she's just like everything should open and the lower classes should die for my pleasure and that kind of thing. Oh no no no. Wait for it, wait for it. She wrote an article. She wrote an article saying my son has COVID. Good. Yeah, and everyone else should get it as well, right? That was, I think, yes. the tagline. That, yeah, was yeah. A, that was the take, yeah. <sighs> yeah, and I mean, I, I, I don't know. She wrote some new fucking ghastly dumbass piece, and, and this random guy, uh, uh, D- Dave Bradshaw, who just quoted, said, you're fucking, you're mangling statistics, and you shouldn't do that. She just went on a on a, a worst kind of fucking witch hunt. And remember, this is a woman... You know, who works at a big paper, has money, has columns, has uh, a podcast of her own, all that stuff, um, and just went and doxed this nice guy who just said, "Look, stop mangling statistics." Then tagged in his employer to say, "You know, this shouldn't be done." Promised to get in touch with the CEO. He literally apologized within five minutes. Said, "I'm sorry, I'll never do it again." Deleted whatever was in the tweet because nobody has seen that thing. There's not a screenshot of it. She just fucking kept going after him. And then, you know, he says, I'm sorry, I suffer with depression. I'm my family's only breadwinner. Please don't do this. Please don't fire me. You know, it was just a small thing, blah, blah. And she literally says to him, you're finished. Did he get, did he get fired? Well, we don't know. No, because the whole thing ended up with like a bit of a fizzle, but like, um, you know, apparently she probably conferred with the Telegraph's lawyers or something to see if she could actually fire, get him fired. And they said, you have no legal grounds and you'd open yourself up to charges of some for I don't know, some kind of UK been legal a, um, bullshit. Been a, been a good week for people getting super pissy on social media, hasn't it? Because like, there was that mm-hmm. uh, dipshit boasting about how they were paying 350 quid to a PI to dox someone. What? Well, I haven't heard this one. It was. Yeah, what was um, that? It was something to do with the Glasgow Art School fire. Harry, so, so, sorry, I, I hate to, I hate to interju- interrupt here, but um, clarification is required. Which Glasgow Art School fire? Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, someone, someone, someone was catching like grief for, I don't know, presumably starting the fires. I, I don't fucking know because the original tweet got binned. But they, um, they were boasting that they'd taken a screenshot of it and they were going to. Pay an annoying three hundred and fifty pounds to an agency to have the person's like uh, home, like name and address revealed, so they could sue them. And it's just normal behaviour. The the person in question was like, "Well, why are you picking on me and not like everyone else who's ever made this joke?" But I mean, three hundred and fifty quid. Like, if someone, if someone was like kicked off with me and well, I'm going to pay three hundred and fifty quid to like a PI to find out where you live. It's like just give me the three hundred and I'll tell you. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's a com- competition in new brexit britain right yeah <laughs> julia hartley brewer still exists didn't she like um didn't she start start some sort of like plague on on a caribbean island or something no that was another <laughs> that, that was another brit we'll we'll get to to the brits being fucking plague carriers abroad Oh no 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 no! That that was also Julia Hartley Brewer. She fucked off. Oh really? Oh pee. yeah, she went. To, yeah, over Christmas. Uh, some kind of. Yeah, yeah, she went. Oh, fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> Do you need like different tones of beat now for each other? <laughs> oh, it's good oh. to be back. <laughs> New Year, same old us. Oh, um. Few have paid such a heavy cost for Brexit as Sarah Vine. 
writes Sarah Vine. Well, that's because she's got to deal with Michael Gove being a smug git. <laughs> and presumably having to have sex with Michael Gove. Oh, don't don't give us that image. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's just sick, sick filth. <laughs> well, no, no, famously, Sarah Vine hates having sex with Michael Gove because she wrote an entire article to say how it was such a fucking chore. She probably told him, we're never having sex again unless, you know, Brexit passes and we get a deal for withdrawing the European Union, thinking that'll shut him up for good. And then the slimy smug git came crawling back to the bedroom after, you know, the deal was agreed with a smile on his blinkered face. I mean, I can't really be sad about someone with that level of remain brain getting owned, so fair enough. No, she wrote, um, yeah, that fucking, I'm, I'm assuming I'm the only one who read that piece of shit. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I am the worst affected by Brexit because some of my... F- I'm no longer the best friends with David and Samantha Cameron and she wasn't nice to me at, at the dinner party. And that's by... Therefore, I am the worst hard done by in the world. Why does anyone even have dinner parties? Whenever you hear about dinner parties, it's always like, oh, someone was a fucking cunt to me at a dinner party. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm exiled from all the dinner parties. Oh, fucking dinner parties. No one ever beats the wife at a dinner party. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. always bullshit. <laughs> dinner party is that like having your mates around for a Chinese? Um, like, it, it's like that, except you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have your mates around for a Chinese. It's got to be more posh because if you, if you just had a takeaway, you might beat your wife. Just ask. Yeah, you need, you need more cutlery to to have a proper dinner it's, party. Uh, yeah, it's a display of conspicuous consumption, basically, that the middle and upper classes love to, like, you know, essentially compare with each other. They do keeping up with the Joneses, except it's keeping up with the fucking dinner party plate. And uh, it's an excuse to be bitchy and snide to each other, but in an environment where no one is being bitchy and snide, of course. Um, it's extremely fucking cursed, really. No, she, she actually mentioned this, like, in the stupid fucking piece. She's like, oh... We didn't really want to go to the dinner party, but our hosts had assured us that David and Samantha would be nice to us, and another friend who was also going had double confirmed that they would just be nice to us, and then they weren't nice. And she's like, if you're fretting for three or four fucking hours to sit at this table to see whether or not, out of the 12, I don't know, 14, 20, however many people are there to feast upon, you know, the entrails of rare animals... If one of them isn't nice to you, just don't fucking go, you imagine weirdo. if the worst imagine if the worst thing you had to worry about in your life was whether or not David Cameron was gonna be a prick at dinner. Listen, <laughs> you know what I mean? Can you imagine how fucking blessed you would be if that was if that was the worst thing I had to worry about in my life, I'd literally levitate around the place like fucking fire and rainbows everywhere. Just I'd I'd be like fucking utopia if the only thing i had to like concern myself with was, was david cameron gonna be a bit of a prick who gives a shit like just tell him he's a pig fucker do you know what i mean like the entire country has dirt on that arsehole listen <laughs> listen i've got to you know credit to david and samantha cameron they did go in there wanting to be really nice and polite and kind um but then then the hosts decided to stick the knife in and twist it and you know, when the roast pig came out and was placed in front of David on the table, that was it. His mood was darkened and there was nothing else to be done. Just 20, oh. 20 seconds later, he's up to the fucking hilt in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, yeah, no, actually, um, clearly what she wants to write in the article is, I had to sit in a dinner and watch David Cameron fuck a dead pig in the mouth while he made steely-eyed <laughs> uh, you know, eye contact with me in Gove. Um, but of course I can't write about this because they've got blackmail on our depraved sexual habits so instead I just need to codedly say they weren't nice to us she's just angry because Michael looked jealous the whole time 
It's probably fucking spit roasting it over the center of the table halfway through. Yeah, moving on from pole-sign table antics, um, Robert Peston. I I hate Oh, come on. I, I genuinely preferred the sound of coughing my own lungs out, I think. <laughs> I genuinely preferred the sound of you coughing your lungs out, I think, compared to having to talk about Robert fucking Peston again. I, is, he off yeah. on econ- is he off on economics again? I hate that man so fucking much. But I... where do you think, Rob, Rob, where do you think he went on his holidays? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't go anywhere he just he just sits there like a fucking baby bird with his mouth wide open while number 10 just like drops steaming curlers into it and he just says oh thank you what a scoop oh thank you so much i just that unbuttoned cunt i fucking oh this week was such a fucking world-class show of just the dimmest man in fucking the united kingdom and beyond just a black hole, a vacuum of the human spirit. Just anything that fucking nobody else wants to touch. Just number 10 just rings this fucking demented lunatic. And he'll just go, yes, of course, it's fucking great. He did a fucking thing right before the fucking lockdown started two days ago. where he said, Boris Johnson has a political philosophy that will not restrict our personal liberties that may prove suboptimal in respect of our health and prosperity so sub suboptimal there are fucking how many 75,000 people have now died from corona and it's been suboptimal to this fucking cartoon cunt and he's still fucking <laughs> out there he was shilling th- today of all fucking things another fucking line he just got Straight off the dot for number 10 about how it's all going to be great, how we're all going to be out of lockdown and it's all going to be wonderful. And he's just that everybody's going to be vaccinated, that it's going to be really good. In two or three weeks, the lethality rate of the virus should fall off very hard. Thank you, Robert Peston. I couldn't read a fucking UK government press release on my own. I need you and your fucking mega platform to say to us the fucking stupidity that ah. So no. did you take your pills today? I, I have two observations here. <laughs> First observation: uh, you, the listener, may not know this, but we did an episode on economics where we mainly slammed, uh, you know, Robert Pesto, um, or Robert Peston as his proper name. So we we slammed him. And uh, Rob later heard that episode, and from all the way over here where I live, just in the distance, I saw the kind of nuclear fallout from his detonation as he oh. got angrier and angrier listening to that oh. episode. So, you know, uh, he's got precedent for this, does Rob. But the second thing is, I have just learned, I've just learned that the angrier Rob gets, and I really, you know, I don't want to introduce this to the podcast, given it, I hate it every time David does it, but the angrier Rob gets, the more he kind of sounds like Jordan Peterson. <laughs> just, just, oh, just worse than anybody. I, the, I can't say these things on the podcast because it'll just get edit, edited out. But the things, just, I would happily do to that man. Just, oh, Saucy. yes, I, I too would have very strong words with him, Rob. Yes, that's right. 
yeah, I think we would all like to sit down with a cup of tea and have a heart-to-heart and see if we can correct his wayward errant mind and maybe get him to stop <laughs> reproducing government press releases in a national paper. I am entertained by his, his description of as saying it's suboptimal, which is, suboptimal is when like thousands of people die of the virus, as opposed to dom-optimal, which is when you drive to Barnard Castle. I just wanted more people to die, that was all. That's why suboptimal. I mean, people people die all the time, though. Every everybody dies, so who's to say whether you know what I mean? All these people wouldn't have just died anyway. We can't we can't computers. lock down the country just to improve the lives of like a few people who died. Oh God, I've heard that uh, so many man times. Is born, man is born to a glimpse of light and then eternal darkness. His mother squats astride the grave. The end is nigh as government policy. Sure. Do you remember last year when we did the award show and? The case was made hard against Robert Peston winning now, the David. The I, I actually, I actually don't because I never got around to listening to that one. <laughs> ah, right. Well, fair enough. You're excused Pod- for this one, but basically, Robert Peston Podcast was professional. robbed of the client journalism award. No, and David. Those no. no at the and time, those predictive powers, those predictive powers of mine that were slated at the start of this episode about the Francois thing, are obviously <laughs> in full working order at other times, such as the time that I predicted that he should have won the Client Journalism Award. No, he shouldn't have won the Client Journalism Award for last year, but I will admit to you, David, in a full moment of contrition, that for this year coming, he is by far and away the lead contender right now. <laughs> who, who won Who won last time? Like? Say what you like about Peston, he wasn't like, you know what I mean, doxing people on Twitter for the government. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just... Not yet, anyway. David's... David, move us on before Rob has an aneurysm. I'm going to have some of more aneurysms on this show, so it's just it. Okay, well, let's, as I said let's at the start of the show, the... I was full of happiness and optimism, and then other things. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> let's move on to the main topic of this episode then, which is related and what we've just been talking about really with Peston, uh, COVID in general, and the wonderful right, changes we, which we we've just had. Dad. <laughs> Mm. Do, do you want to do a bit I of mean, Bean Dad? Do you, want, do you want to talk about Bean Dad? We can talk about Bean Dad. Ah, oh, go on. Let's do I like mean, five minutes of Bean Dad. <laughs> that, that was a roller coaster, that though, wasn't it? Where it's like, oh, Bean Dad, well, he's, he's clearly a cunt. And everyone's just like, well, yeah, but what level of cunt is he? Because he, he could be making the story up or he might be exaggerating the time involved. But he's still a cunt because, like, you know, he clearly thinks he's, his job is to bully his children rather than raise them. But see, then see for, the, for like, the benefit, you know, Jamie, for the benefit of anyone who isn't like cursed by a Twitter account, do you want to explain what happened with Bean Dad? No. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Just fucking get on, get on Twitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Come and join us. It's great. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. <laughs> join us in the it's posting happened. zone, Mr. Chapel. <laughs> Yeah, come, Jesus. come and get on Twitter, and then you'll then you'll like share in the misery and joy of like the the Bean Dad roller coaster. Where, <laughs> you know, we, we discover a new type of guy, and he's an absolute fucking helmet. And then you know what I mean. He, he ends up losing all his jobs and deleting his account because it, like people just went back through his his old tweets and found out he was a fucking Nazi. Yeah. So Bean Dad, uh, it was a very short story. Bean Dad posted online for all the world to see in a multi-part, at least 20-post fucking thread where he described his nine-year-old daughter coming up to him as he was doing a jigsaw and asking him to make some beans <laughs> because she was hungry and him insisting that she get the can opener and the can and figure out how to do it herself and giving her no help. Yeah, because he, re- he realised that his daughter didn't know how to use a can opener and whose fucking fault is that? 
<laughs> so this became a this became a teaching moment from him, which lasted for six fucking hours until she a managed teaching to moment. open the can. <laughs> a teaching moment in which he taught her nothing at all. Can I taught her that just a dad was a fucking prick. <laughs> To me, I, I didn't even, like, the bean thing was just exceedingly stupid. The thing that I was, like, the most, thought was the most spectacular was that afterwards, and when everybody had gone hog wild and dug through his Twitter, is that it turned out that he'd self-published a Published a book of, of his, his own, own tweets. Tweet. Yeah. Electric yeah. aphorisms. <laughs> it's like, oh, go fuck yourself. Do you know what I mean? Just become mad at the guy you knew, you know? Like, I just genuinely, like, had a... a what I thought was a bottomless well of hate for the man, and then I found out he published a book of electric aphorisms, and I was—I don't even know what aphorisms are. Fuck you. Do you know the thing about that whole exchange, which is maybe relevant to this episode and our talk about the commentariat, is that the entire time I was reading this thing, I'm just like, this is exactly the same fucking energy as our cursed commentariat. This is exactly that his relationship with his daughter is exactly the same psychological relationship that the commentariat thinks we have with the British public. <laughs> yes. yes. I just the best thing for me was that it, he was doing a fucking jigsaw. Do you know what I mean? Like he's from the nineteen twenties or some shit. Oh, I can't feed no, my kids. I'm 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 on this like new fucking jigsaw. Have you seen these things? They're fucking I wild, man. You can't Genuinely. pause a jigsaw, you know, you're in the middle of it. You can't pause it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the, the thing about that, Jamie, right, is of course it was a jigsaw, because if he said, oh, I was watching television, then that that's too gauche and lower class a thing to be doing. Uh, how could you prioritize watching television? Over Do you know what it is as well? I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I assumed immediately, and I don't know what everyone else thought when, when he said jigsaw, I immediately pictured one of those like Fisher Price ones with 16 pieces. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's actually for his daughter. Uh <laughs> Yeah, she finished it. Stolen, he... stolen her jigsaw. It's either that or he's a serial killer. <laughs> Would you like to play a game? <laughs> a, ga- a game of beans. Yes. The little known spin off to Game of Beans. Little Thrones. Susie, you have six hours to get in the can of beans. If you don't, you'll <laughs> die of starvation. I do like to imagine, though, that his daughter finished the jigsaw puzzle and he decided, oh, I'll have a go of that. And he was struggling so bad with it. And when she came in and innocently asked for a can of beans, he looked at her with venomous hatred and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do this jigsaw, but you can't open a can of beans. Well, fuck you. The and best the best the part the best part about this is as well, you're 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 underselling just how much of a prick he is there by saying she asked. For, she didn't ask for beans. She just said she was hungry. And his his suggestion was open a can of fucking beans. I'm busy doing my jigsaw. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it wasn't that the kid really had a heart set on a can of beans. It was that a can of beans was the best he was prepared to offer his hungry child while there was like you know what I mean, jigsaws afoot. But what if it's an online <laughs> multiplayer jigsaw? You know, oh, you can't stop just, these things. I just fucking incredible though, isn't it? Like a jigsaw. Just jigsaw bean dad. It is like I I I really stand by this. Four days into January and we've basically peaked on what a potential main character on Twitter could be. Yeah, hold, I mean... Hold, you... hold my fucking beer to yeah, the best... <laughs> The best part is we that, that same day, we had some woman who had to lock her account because she'd suggested that any man dating a short woman was, was a paedophile. Oh, that's that's like a daily <laughs> and like, that. And she was, she was busy getting bombed from the air, and <laughs> you know what I mean? People were just queuing up like the trench run to just fucking like destroy her with proton torpedoes <laughs> when Bean Dad just like flew into view. Saved her life. Yeah, bravely jumped in front of all those bullets. Um and obviously took the the, the 
took the heat off fucking horny horny for tampon string guys. <laughs> Oh, he was a fucking winner, wasn't he? Like, Jamie, you are fucking deep in the Twitter mindset. Yeah. I got this. Ah, he, Escape now, that guy though, he, it's no good for you. He he was one of those like he was one of those like nth generation Tories that has like just the the face, facial physique of dropped soup, <laughs> just like a, a, a sweaty blobfish of a man complaining about the the lewd imagery of a tampon string. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. But that and that, it was the string. The, it was well. the that string. Was That's the best part about it as well. He complained about the tampon being lewd imagery, and everyone went, "What the fuck?" And he explained that it was because of the curvature of the string suggested things. <laughs> Just absolutely oh. fucking incredible. That, like, you know what I mean? We we've teleported people here from the Victorian era and taught them how to use Twitter. <laughs> oh, COVID, because that's that's less depressing than Twitter. Um, yeah, my brother's got it. Oh no! Oh yeah. Have you seen him recently, Jamie? Because you're coughing. Yeah, I've I've had this. I've I've had this since before Christmas. So I think if it was COVID, it would have killed me by now. But um, no, I saw him briefly on Christmas. I saw him briefly on Christmas Day from a distance. Um, so I don't think. I've caught from him. Little little does Jamie describe to us, but his brother was at a distance, but he was sitting there breathing into a leaf blower while pointing it in Jamie's direction. So (laughs) who knows? We're not doing teals anymore. Nope. It's levels again. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're all we're all crying like bitter, salty tears for the deprived children of England who can't (laughs) learn and are just going to be so upset when they all don't die of a preventable disease. (laughs) <laughs> but Jamie, children can't catch the disease. What's that? Hang on, uh, an update's coming in. Oh, it seems children could always catch the disease, and were one of the primary vectors for the spread of COVID. Who could have fucking seen that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what it is as well? Just not having that from any of these fucking pricks who are like, oh well, would would it's disgraceful the left's disregard for disadvantaged children. Oh fuck off! You didn't give a shit. Like two months back when they wanted school dinners, did you know it was fuck off and like live in a bin at that point? <laughs> but now that it's like you know you might have to actually like pay for childcare suddenly, like oh no, we've got we've got to save the disadvantaged children. Do you know uh, what I mean? So sorry, this is this is my turn to do a rob because I have been fucking going off about this forever, forever because it's been glaringly obvious from every country that has locked this shit down and got it over with and solved the problem that you have to close the fucking schools. You have to close the fucking schools. The curve was going down when we had schools shut. Then we opened schools back up and, oh, look at that, COVID is spreading. It's been like this for all of a year and I have been consistently losing my fucking mind over it. And now, now, at this point in time, fucking Keir Starmer... And Boris Johnson, Vokia Starmer only after Boris Johnson, have said, oh, who could have possibly foreseen? It's for schools that we need to close. I guess we're going to have to take unprecedented action that we've never done before and close mm-hmm. the fucking schools to halt the spread of COVID. I hate to bring one back to Twitter, but did you see that fucking thing yesterday where, um, was it Alex Nunn tweeted that like now the schools are closed and Keir Starmer can come out and like in favor of closing the schools, and then like 19 minutes later, he did just that. <laughs> yeah. It's oh. it's it's life imitating art. Just what can you say? What can you fucking say? I can say resign, Keith. I could fucking mm. say, and it's incredible. I mean, if we talk about the schools bit now, anyway, it's like that the schools were still 
everybody's screaming off the top of the fucking head the the, the fucking teachers unions you know the parents mm-hmm. fucking british mm-hmm. public even agreed with this shit and it's like no what we do is everybody all the kiddies can still go to school on monday and then on monday evening without warning so no fucking parent has a child has a chance to look for a babysitter or like some kind of way to help out and you know still go to the office and still work so you know they can pay their fucking rent and you know to their shitty landlord it's just no first on monday everybody still goes back to fucking school and you know providing yet another neat little infection bomb uh to the whole party and the the, one of the teachers union the national n-a-s-u-w-t i don't know what the fuck that stands for they did a a big survey of their members and stuff and the teacher infection rate of covid because like they're constantly around kids who don't get it but do spread it that teacher they COVID spread rates. it worse than adults. Kids spread it worse than adults. There's evidence of this now. And, you know, it's not like you could see this coming because it's not like a fucking, you know, five-year-old doesn't have excellent fucking hand hygiene and always wears a mask when it's been explained oh, to Oh, and them. stays apart from you their know? friends at all times. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like children are, you know, impulsive and, you know, uh, they, they, they need the time to grow and learn self-restraint. It's not like a fucking six-year-old can understand the concept of fucking death, right? And, uh, you know, just, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, we have little kids in schools, right? And we're telling them, oh, you need to, you know, wear your mask, stay away from your friend, all this kind of shit. And it's like, these kids don't fucking understand the very conceptual idea of death. They don't get it. They're too young for that. And we're expecting them to be able to practice appropriate hygiene in a fucking global pandemic. Just Have you considered, lunacy. though? Have you considered that they're rational actors? <laughs> and they can't even use can openers, the fucking pricks. The spectacle has been appalling. I mean... Truly, mm. just jaw-droppingly horrifying at every level, at every chance, at every turn. This fucking government, supported to the hilt and backed by the government or abstained by Sir Keith and his fucking crew of chances. It's just like, no, we want to do the minimum. And the moment, like, the infection rate drops by 0.1%, we just crack everything open again and we give everybody vouchers to give to Tim Martin so that prick can eliminate more independent businesses in every urban centre in the fucking UK. I, I just, I'm going to have a series of strokes during this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what the worst part of this is, though, Rob, right? Because... Okay, maybe not the worst in the overall scheme, but just specific to sending the kids to school. Because I've just spoken about those young kids and how they clearly, like, they are incapable of really understanding death. But because this is so serious, because we were being forced to go to school by the government, that meant that across, you know, the United Kingdom, parents had to sit their children down and explain that mummy and daddy might die if you don't wear your mask and do all the rest of this. Can you really pause and think about that for a minute? All because we wouldn't just go, no, you don't need to go to school. Oh, well, we've got this real serious... Like, if they'd just done that, then parents could have, like, soft-pedaled it. But many, like, maybe not all, but many of them across the UK will have had to have that conversation with their young children to try and get across to their young children that they really need to do this seriously. I'd like... This is the sort of cruelties that we gloss over when we, you know, abstract it to just stuff like, oh, well, you know, it's for the economy and all the rest of it. But no, there will be children traumatised 
for the rest of their lives probably because they had to learn at too young an age about the necessity of taking measures to avoid the cold clasp of the grave. And uh, speaking personally for a minute, my mum died when I was 11 and I was not fucking ready for it whatsoever. These kids will have had to have had sort of lectures along these topics, maybe not fully, but they'll had something. Many of them will have come home and infected their parents. Yeah, and to have to live with that and wonder, was it, you know, me playing with my friends, you know, as a kid, you know, that that yeah. did us, that did my mum or my dad in. Yeah, or my gran, or my, you know, unwell aunt or whatever. And this is the direct fucking consequence. This is the weight we're putting on kids. Because, because, oh, we need the daycare. Yeah. That's what this all comes yeah. Well, the thing to. is, though, the thing is, though, when we first, when we had the first lockdown, everyone, like, went around putting, like, rainbows in the windows for kids to spot while they were out for their daily walk, and everyone clapped for carers and everything, and we all got bored of that, and so, you know, it's time to open everything back up, isn't it? I mean, everyone's, everyone's gonna, everyone's gonna die and or be traumatized, but that's just life on this normal island, isn't it? So, you know what I mean? Mm. Better, better to learn it at age four. <sighs> Than, than enjoy a childhood before you have to find out the hard way that like you know what I mean everything fucking <laughs> sucks hmm. and and like you know the best the best you're going to get out of life is to just hurtle through it howling into an abyss do you ever have one of those really lucid moments where you just kind of flash back to who you were like three years ago and revisit the scene you're in now from that perspective and realize just <laughs> how utterly utterly insane things have become I, I just can't stop flashing back to that brief window in time when Bernie Sanders was doing well and, and Corbyn wasn't doing, you know, too badly at the time. And it really looked like a new future was possible, a different direction that would be ripped out of this disgusting monstrosity of society we live oh, in. Where, I mean, you know. Yeah, on, on New Year's Eve, uh, everyone, was, everyone was doing the, um, the, like, thanks for our podcast brethren thing on Twitter. I actually went back through the Discord history trying to find the first interaction I had with James. Oh, here we go. And I couldn't, I couldn't actually find it for some. I don't know if it was in a like a, an old channel that isn't here anymore or something, but I couldn't find it. But I did see like tons of like posts on Discord where I was optimistic about like the future in 2019, and like you know what I mean. <laughs> I I just I'm I'm perfectly like I I just look some people would be like distraught by seeing that like optimism that came to nothing and everything but frankly I've lived my entire life on the principle that the me of ten minutes ago is a fucking idiot <laughs> so you know <laughs> the me of 2019 is just so far removed from the me of today that I just ah fuck that prick what what was he thinking you know what I mean the, et mm. the eternal mutable and protean Jamie is the only way to live he's the he's the Nishian Ubermensch. You know, um, he, all the rest of us are the last men blinking at each other as well decays. But only Jamie has the force of character to look squarely in the face of death and despair and laugh and say, yeah, well, that's pretty good, but I get to post about it. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's basically the gist of it. Like, I mean, what's the worst the world is going to possibly fucking do? Do you know what I mean? For you, People, a like, Twitter outage. People were seeing like weird <laughs> lights in the sky on New Year's Eve, and they were like, oh, "Was it aliens?" It's like, "Fucking bring it on!" Do you know what I mean? Like aliens, are <laughs> absolutely fucking here for that shit. But can we? I'll be totally honest. I'll be totally honest. And last, I, I know what you want to move us on, but can I just say, if it turns out the Posadists are right, then <laughs> I'm prepared to I'm prepared to give up my anarchism and become a space communist. I'm just throwing that out there. Like I am capable of admitting that maybe I was wrong, and if the world has to be purged by nuclear hellfire for the aliens to come down and rescue us and the dolphins, then fuck it. Yeah, I'm on board. Let's let's go. 
Oh. Oh, can we spend some time talking about, I mean, everything about this is is galling and awful yes. and terrifying, but can we spend some time talking about... Well, I mean, no, not if you described it like that. I don't want to talk about it. It sounds <laughs> bad. The fucking... The labour pretense of oh we were always in favour of closing schools no we really did <laughs> oh, for, are they are they still existing as a party <laughs> yes. unspeakably they are just the you know it it really was I think today and yesterday um fucking the the labour shadow education secretary remember this is who they bumped uh, Becky Long Bailey out of the game for because you know she was whatever not good enough and the real reason was she was too close to the unions including the NEU who'd been screaming at the top of lungs close the fucking schools you know even yesterday this this fucking vacuum this labour right this little shill mm. this little vacuum this little hollow sucking nothing at the who just wants to do this for a little career so she can get a little advisorship in in some fucking pfi monstrosity world was saying no what we need what labor's plan is is to get the virus under control and keep the children in class and as james was saying while the children are in class you cannot get the virus under control this doesn't fucking work it doesn't oh, is this was this Kate Can't Green's work. thing yesterday? Yeah, 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 yeah. This was when she was right. on Labour so list. I want to, I want to, yeah, I want to go in on this a little bit, right? So yesterday at uh, ten a.m., she gave an interview that basically said, "Yeah, the school should stay open." Then I think it was kind of early afternoon, the government announced they were going to do an eight p.m. press conference, and then yeah, it was like three o'clock or something they announced this. Not long after that, Labour announced that. Keith was going to do a, a, a statement at four. So after the government had announced they were going to do a press conference, that was announced. He then came out and said, all the schools should be shut. We don't want to do it, but we do think we have to do it. Do you know there's okay. detail you're missing here, David? I'm, um, not, I'm not finished. I'm not finished. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'll shut up. That announcement um, by Labour, that speech by Starmer, was alleged to have been recorded at 10pm the previous night. Doubt. Pressing X to doubt here. Yeah, because if that was recorded at 10 o'clock the night before, why was Kate Green out giving a no, the school should be open interview the next morning? Were they possibly hedging their fucking bets? No, they, no that, that would imply some sort of political new. Um, it, it was absolutely... <laughs> flapping and panicking on the part of Starmer. We need to come out and say the right thing before the government do and they've gave us like a five or six hour window to do so. Quick, hurry up, get it's, the podium ready. It's better than that because the detail I was going to say you missed, David, is he, they announced they were going to do this speech after there was the lobby briefing for the press at Downing Street. You know, where yes. they, they kind of give the press a heads up so they're ready to cover it appropriately, which is a totally normal and cool thing to do and, and not mm. a sign that our political class is wedded to our fucking journalist class. And like they're, you know, debanning all pretense of being the same fucking thing. Where they basically said, oh yeah, we're going to announce, you know, school lockdowns, essentially. And it was after they heard that, that Labour was like, oh, well, shit, we need to, we need to get out in front of them because that's good politics. The, the thing, the thing that like, the thing that depresses me about like the government and like Starmer's response to fucking current events is the whole thing where it's like they're they're both visibly trying to please like two diametrically opposed groups. 
because it's like you know there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people in this country who would rather not die of a, a disease that could easily be avoided um and they want like sensible measures like you know maybe shut everything and not have everyone like run around licking each other but then there's also like you know what i mean uh, an equally like vocal contingent who don't believe in science or viruses like i mean what a fucking tiny thing that you can't see and it makes you sick that sounds like <laughs> fucking that sounds like witchcraft to them do you know what i mean clearly it's just an imbalance of humors brought around brought about by lack of patriotism and so everyone should go out and lick each other <laughs> you know what i mean for england to be honest that sounds pretty good to me <laughs> And so that it's like we'll have we'll have a lockdown we'll have a lockdown but only for a little bit then we've got to unlock down because we can't like we can't not be patriotically licking each other in the streets what would like fucking <laughs> what would what would have happened during the blitz if we'd not done that do you know what I mean and Keir Starmer's just like the same but somehow worse and like more ineffectual about it I mean everyone knows we won the blitz by tonguing the bombs yeah. <laughs> Let's do, well, all we can hope for 2021 is a new blitz, so we can reclaim the nation's glory. Yeah, no, like, you know, nuclear hellfire leading to aliens. Let's go. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I don't know. Did anybody catch, I mean, now that, you know, Labour's done itself inside out fucking again. Um, and, you know, now it's all serious. We must close the schools. I don't know. Did anybody catch fucking super rock star um, Keith earlier? Um, because obviously now that the kids are home, they need some 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 way to to keep in touch with the school, and they probably need you know uh, a laptop and and a broadband connection and all that shit. Oh, did you, did um, anybody I see... saw I saw I got a notification on my phone that he said he wanted round the clock vaccinations. Yeah, uh, generally no... I've I've trained I've trained Google's like news advisory thing on my phone to only send me hot takes about Star Wars from dipshits, and I don't I, I've <laughs> specifically tried to exclude communiques from the beige army faction. <laughs> Do you know? Just stop a second. Round the clock vaccinations. All right, Granny. At two a.m. on Wednesday, you're going to be vaccinated <laughs> by a doctor who is chained to the desk and pleading, pleading for it all to stop. Yeah, that sounds like it's a good idea. That yeah. sounds like it's something that's feasible or practicable. Oh, by the way, speaking of which, um, of of things that are feasible and practical, you know what's not going to be um, stopped even during the middle of lockdown, and doesn't matter whether or not you've had a shot or not. It's oh, interviews no. to see whether or not the uh, Home Office can kick you out of the country and back to Jamaica, because asylum interviews Fuck. are an essential public service. Um, the Home Office is really trying hard to rehabilitate the DWP. Just wear interesting armbands. Fucking I think hell, it's man. because, as we've established, Pretty Patel is a stone-cold psychopath. Did you see that article, that end of your article, where they were asking politicians from across the UK kind of, you know, political, oh, 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 uh, you know, elected yes. lot? They were asking them, what got you through this year, essentially? Oh, yeah, and... she, she was dressing up as Batman and going along on police raids or something like that. Yeah, kind of, yeah. basically, like, all of them, even, like, Johnson and, and Gove and all the, like, fucking weirdos, they're all saying, like, fairly and anodyne kind of stuff like oh you know i i i, I, I was, like watching was, the football was gold's kind of answer thing. like a few flakes on the top of his tank but not <laughs> but not too many or he'll die <laughs> like you know but they, like, goldfish are the were, shittest pets like do you know what i mean they, they were they were all able to give answers which were like you know obviously many of them fucking fake but believable, you know, from an everyman perspective, like, oh, I like the football, or my, my spending time with my kids grounds me, you know, all this kind of shit. Then it gets to Pretty Patel, and she's like, 
helping the police to, you know, just like fucking firing in Judge Dredd style, like, you know, she draws solace from helping the police to crack down on crime. I know it was just explicitly like... fucking Dawn raids that she, that she said. Like that's <laughs> what just, what just worse fucking... fucking kind of raid is there than a Dawn raid? She is basically right, and you mentioned 2000 AD earlier, Jamie. She is Judge Death, right? She is ju- <laughs> that is her. It, she might not look it, but I swear to fucking God, that is the exact energy, the vibe, the numinous soul. Well, okay, I see. I had. I don't want. I don't want to like fucking. Do you know what I mean? Like big myself up or anything. But like, I think possibly the first episode of this I ever did, or maybe the second or something. Didn't I describe her as an atomic kitten Malthusian or something yeah, like that? I think that was. Her. And yeah, then yeah. she's just gone out of her way to prove that like <laughs> off the cuff fucking joke. True. Yeah, you've done it again. Just yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I hate to drag us back on point, but there's like this whole. So right to. Kids need laptops and stuff, right? So Keith, Big Keithy has done another great interview and he says what we should do to get, you know, much needed technology and free broadband. Free broadband, by the way, that was described. (laughs) (laughs) Broadband communism. Is he going to nationalize sausages? The fucking prick. (laughs) No, no. He said what we need to do now is work with technology companies and make sure that households have access to data. As in, we should ask Richard Branson really nicely, you know, now that he, Virgin Media and all the other fucking internet companies know that they have a whole generation of school kids and their parents completely over a fucking barrel to say, oh, can you be nice, please, and give us some stuff for free? It's like, motherfucker, don't ask for it. Nationalize it. Demand it. Fucking demand Richard Branson's head on the silver platter. Yeah, I mean, what what needs what people need to do when they want, like, effective policy from the government obviously like keith doesn't want effective policy from the government he just wants to like blend into the fucking wallpaper and have people not notice he's there in the room <laughs> but um what what people should do is just sort of like come up with like right so kids need laptops so they, and, and good broadband so they can learn from home so what you do is you you, you work out the cost of that say it's like 100 million dollars pounds fuck knows um, and then you go right, and then you, you go to the government and go right. It's actually going to cost ten times as much, but ninety percent of it like goes up Richard Branson's nose. Do you know what I mean? And then they'll just they'll <laughs> fucking give you that money in an, in a heartbeat. Like that's how the like. Do you know what I mean? Like Marcus Rash, Marcus Rashford's school free school meals thing. If that had cost ten times as much, but ninety percent of it was like being like given to, to some fucking prick. To, uh, you know, Boris Johnson went to school with. They'd have they'd have paid it in a heartbeat. Yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's basically that's that's that might be like just how we have to like how we have to get things done in the modern political environment for the foreseeable future is just you know what I mean. Right. Okay. So we need like we need ten million pounds for like you know on for the homeless. Let's let's like get like ten million pounds for the homeless and ninety million pounds for like Weatherspoon's prick or some shit. (laughs) So you're saying you're saying we need to reject modernity, embrace tradition, go back to the Tony Blair years. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some real like urgent shit as well. Like, there's a hundred and thirty five thousand uh, students doing B- uh, BTEC, BTEC exams, and they're still yep. supposed to sit them live and in person this Wednesday. They haven't been cancelled yet, and nobody knows live what the deal and is. in person coming to you from a COVID hotspot. It's <laughs> yeah. 
Fucking hell. I mean, I mean, I, I, I speaking as someone who's got a B tech, they're not missing much. <laughs> I can safely, I, I can safely say it, it hasn't fucking, it hasn't helped me at all in the fucking yeah. marketplace of ideas a in B-tech my lifetime. Is the educational equivalent of um, the job center sending you to agricultural cyber college? Really, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, but like, I mean, pretty, it, pretty even, much, even, yeah. Even if it is all that, like. And but this is this is your 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 degree, whatever it is, whether or not it's of any value. Presumably, if it's on Wednesday, I'm assuming that most of these kids are sort of nervous. They've studied for it. They want to be ready for it. And now it's like, what the fuck are they supposed to do? Take all the studying that they've done into you know the COVID hothouse. Wait right, for well, something to be cancelled or got, not. I've got a top tip for them. Right. So you see, I did I did a B tech at college. Um, and one of the requirements to, to be allowed to do a BTEC, because it's like, you know, it's, it's an important thing. They can't let just anyone do one. You have to have four GCSEs, including maths and English at C or above. And I didn't, I got a D in English. So I only got onto the BTEC on the agreement that I would retake GCSE English while at the college. And I did twice and got an E both times. And then, so I didn't technically qualify to get on the BTEC. So even though I passed the BTEC, they didn't, they wouldn't give me the certificate. So <laughs> I went to university and I literally just turned up at the university. And when they were enrolling and, and I, I turned up and, and I went, oh, I'm, I'm here to enroll on the course. And they went, have you got your certificates? And I went, I just literally told the guy, no, there's been a letter sent about that. And he rubber stamped me and I got onto the degree. <laughs> so just do that. Just turn up and pretend like you're supposed to be there. It works every time. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, you're literally made of magic. You know that. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I finally, I finally did get the B Tech certificate because, like, because I, I, I genuinely didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? I like, I blagged my way into university, and I just thought, yeah, that that's probably a more effective skill than a B Tech. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm just prepared to just tackle life in that, like, in that sort of with that attitude. But my mom was like really mad that I hadn't actually gotten the qualification and spent three years writing letters to the BTEC people until they eventually like <laughs> gave me a certificate just to make it go away. <laughs> no idea where the fuck it is now though. Yeah. So. Fucking hell. I mean, anyway, so if you don't get it, you can always become a uh, successful podcaster and uh, a t-shirt designer. I don't know about successful, but give us a bit more time on that one. <laughs> the important, the important lesson is just turn up and pretend you're supposed to be there. Yep. That qualifies you for a government PPI contract, I hear. Yep. <laughs> just turn up and say you went to school with Matt Hancock. They'll just give you money. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, does anybody like even, do, do we even remember anymore? Does anybody remember uh, Track and Trace and, and Circo and all the bullshit contracts and all that? Like, are we just, do, do, doesn't it, is that just gone? Have we just memory hold that fucking shit? Because, you know, yeah, be- the, the, UK, the fucking UK government has now spent £22 billion on its own system, which still doesn't fucking work like it's supposed to. And yeah, well, there was, money- there, was kind of a, there was kind of a weak link in that system in that you had to install an app on your phone. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's not just that, right? It's also just the fact that they didn't actually fucking do test and trace. We've, we've been on this before. We've been on this before. I don't want to, like, beat it completely into the ground. But they, they decided to do cargo cult fake test and trace to enrich their mates yeah and now that that is you know being exposed as completely non-functional they're just quietly hoping we all forget yeah it but there was some interesting stuff that came out in terms of but like i say like i say, my my brother um he went for a test on i think he went for a test yesterday and got his results this morning 
and they've just told him like go home and don't go out for 10 days they haven't asked him where he might have picked it up or anything they just go home and fucking hide hide under a pile of coats and hope the whole yeah. thing blows over there was a there was a <laughs> um, a piece that came out i think it's the national audit office uh, a report on like the functionality of this privatized contracted out tra- test and trace bullshit um and and how the testing works so normally testing but did anyone to- did anyone here install the app on their phone i did uh i didn't i did i, I, I believe it was I simple didn't. Re- Purely for the simple reason that I do not fucking trust them not to just sell my data. Yeah, that was that was exactly it. It was like it was like oh, you've got to agree to like let them keep your fucking like details for twenty years and sell it to whoever they want. I was just like, just take my take my chances in the plague lands beyond the wall. (laughs) To be fair, I figure that Facebook and Google and everybody else has already got all my data anyway. So what's one fucking more? I mean that's a that's a perfectly valid point, and that's normally how I approach these things. But this time, spite was a factor. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I I hate to drag something back into what resembles a topic, but um... <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's yeah. I Have just we gone to, off like, script again. <laughs> just this, it, it really is astonishing. So, like, the audit office did a big, did quite a big report, and of course, it dropped completely under the radar because, like, who the fucks? Nobody. There's so much shit that nobody follows this anymore, but there's still, like, you know... So, if you get a test, like your brother did, Jamie, like, it's supposed to get back to him in under 24 hours, you know, so he can lock his doors and go home and, you know, tell the people that he's been in contact with and, you know, not unconsciously spread any further. It's only still... Still now, only 40% of these tests are returned within 24 hours. And at the call centers, like, you know, if you have the app, they're supposed to ring you or you're supposed to ring them, whatever the fuck goes on there. Um, the conditions are so fucking bad. Like the people who are actively working and actively meaning like they're ringing, they're talking pe- to people, they're giving advice, you know, ringing people who've, who, you know, to say to them, you need to go get a test. Um, for the people like the healthcare professionals are in there, it's only 4% of their time that they're doing actual material work. For the call staff, it's only 1%. The target set in those contracts was 50%. But because the way they were written by the fucking Tories, there's no penalty clause if you don't reach it. So if nobody calls anything and those people in the call centers just sit there all day, pick their nose and give each other fucking COVID, it doesn't matter because 70% of all early test and trace contacts were handed out under so-called emergency measures, means there was no process, no bidding, and any fucker who wanted one, and including Matt Hancock's ex-fucking landlord from his local pub, got fucking one and the end result is there are now 217 organizations with official test and trace contracts so even if it worked even if the system worked and if it wasn't just a grift for boris and matt hancocks and everybody else else's fucking mates the people already have houses by the way and stocks and shares and land who are already getting fucking wealthier even if all of it worked as it was supposed to. How the fuck are you going to keep control of 217 different fucking organizations? So here's a, a recommendation to you, listener. Dead serious one. There is a book. It's called Shock Doctrine by Naomi Klein. I thoroughly recommend yeah. picking it up, reading it, and then applying it as a work, like using as a worked example, the government's handling of this pandemic. I just take my word for it, this one. It will open your eyes to vistas previously unseen, like the fucking Necronomicon. I'm just I, this week. I I've really started losing my fucking mind. Right. We hadn't known. Well, 
<laughs> Hang on, right. Let's let's put you onto something more optimistic. Then let's talk about the vaccine strategy. Oh, is it yeah. to do them oh, round Jesus the clock? Christ. Do we have a vaccine strategy, David? Because I'm I'm pretty sure. Oh, we're have we? No, 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 no. I think no, the no. strategy is just one. randomly inject people with whatever they happen to find at the time, and then see if <laughs> that works. Yeah, pretty yeah. Kind of, it, yeah. Was, it was yeah. it was announced that everyone gets two shots three weeks apart, but then realize you've fucked it and you don't have enough to to do like however many thousand a week you said you were going to do if you reserve endorses to give to people three weeks later. So now everyone can just get fucked. You get one injection, and you'll have to. Light no, up. no, no. It's it's not quite just no. So the way it's working is, the tests were all done on this with a three week um distance between your first and your second injection. But yeah, they fucked up, just like you said. So now, you get your your first injection, and then yeah, three months um, later, not weeks, but months, you will get your second injection. That hasn't been explicitly tested. Might, but, might, might not be the same thing. Yeah, that's well, the other thing. That's, that's the other bit, yeah. Vaccines. yeah. I mean, the yeah. thing is, it's like, they, they're having to push it back from three weeks to three months now, because they've fucked it, and they don't have enough to go up to meet their target. But mm-hmm. knowing them, they won't have fucking like vastly improved that situation by the time three months rolls around. Oh, no, so in three months it'll be a different problem. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what the problem will be in three months? Right, my time to rant again. Um, aliens. If we want. <laughs> I mean, no, that would be a blessing. problem, as Pasadism tells us. <laughs> anyway, no, like for real. Um, if you wanted to set up uh, a clinical uh, structured experiment and apply a selection pressure to a virus to give it a chance of mutating to resist a vaccine, what you would do is is you would give someone a partial dose that's less effective, and it provides a, an incomplete selection pressure. Because here's the thing, right? If you, um, if you fucking nuke the hillside and burn everything to the ground, nothing survives, nothing can grow. But if you nuke most of the hillside and leave a margin for the toughest, most resilient fucking future mutants to be able to kind of, you know, survive, then you're applying an evolutionary selection pressure that favours them and makes them more likely to reproduce, essentially. Um, What we are doing is we are not only running, like, fucking off the books, like, not even clinical trials... And we're doing it on our doctors and nurses, by the way, which is a wild part, because they've all been on Twitter going, I did not consent to this. Yeah. What the fuck? We're not just doing that. No. We are creating conditions to have a vaccine-resistant COVID come around. And if that doesn't scare the shit out of you, then welcome to Normal Island. I've I seen um, The Independent done like a kind of fact-checky article on this. And in it, it Why? said... To check who, the facts, who, obviously. Who gives a shit about facts? It's 2021. Liberals, liberals care about facts. They will always care about facts. They won't care about consequences, but they will care about facts. Um, they care about convenient facts, for sure. Yes. Um, the article basically said, is this a thing that's going to happen? And straight up, the article said that it's not recommended. Um, they wouldn't. They wouldn't expect that to be the case. However, in exceptional circumstances, which is a very fucking vague term in Plague Planet 2021, um, that vaccines can be mixed. This is extreme vibes of um, no child should go hungry, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so that that's awesome. Um, we'll just need to wait and see. I mean, I think the majority, if not all of us, um, are going to be in the kind of latter end of the vaccination yeah. program as it comes anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anyone on the pod with anything that's going to accelerate them up the list or anything. So yeah. that's going to be great fun to find out what kind of hodgepodge of fucking shitty leftovers that we get given. Um, if if just, indeed we even get it at all, because honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they just hit all the, the kind of last people to require this with everyone else has it anyway, so you'll probably mm-hmm. be fine. We can't afford it anymore. Just just as a little little like side snack, um, touching on the last topic of the track and trace it, the Tories have uh, an actual vaccine minister, a guy, an MP called uh, Nadit Howie, um, and his wife has five or six days ago set up a company called Warren Medical Limited, a uh, little cor- oh. l- nice little corporation. Uh, it was first called Zahawi Warren Limited, but changed um, after a day after some people started asking questions. It's uh, listed as a real estate company, but hasn't done any transactions. And not a lot of real estate companies are called um, Medical Limited in general. By the way, speaking of real estate, this guy also has a 25 million quid buy to let empire. I'm suddenly struck, like, a vision, like, I feel like David's powers, like, the, the spirit of prognostication has passed from David <laughs> over to me, and I'm just feeling, could it be that this this company may be perhaps being involved in the administration of the vaccine? Well, not yet, but to be sure, it will be in five days or something, whenever Matt Hackock gets around to stop jamming crayons in his eyes to sign some paperwork for his mate. <sighs> just the... The open corruption, just the the naked incompetence and the the open corruption and just the the bumbling incompetence, all of which is lapped up by these fucking baby brained morons like Robert Peston. It just it's really I, yeah. I mean, I the thing hate... is, like, we we might be fucking the vaccinations, but at least they've got little like Union Jacks on the ball. Oh yeah, <laughs> fuck me. That was gonna. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. This island is normal from top to tail. You've got all this open corruption going on, and so few people actually care. There's so much detail about it, it's everywhere, but just yeah. no one cares. Well, it's too much, I think. It's because it's just like, the trick, as people I think have found out, is just to do it like a fucking hail of, of like a shotgun blast. If you just fire so much corruption at people at the same time, no, they just get bewildered it doesn't, and stupid. It, it, it's not it's not that it's that you can you're allowed to do as much corruption as you want as long as you like own the libs in the culture war yeah yeah so yeah, you know that's, it's that's like yeah, it, you, yeah you can you can like fuck up the nation and sell everything and make life objectively worse for everyone including the people who rapidly support you but as long as like you know mrs brown's voice gets to be on telly for another five years to own the libs <laughs> or whatever <laughs> fucking like deranged yeah, shit they're, they're thinking about this week Spite is a strong motivator for politics. It really is. What, what's the, what's people... the name? What's the name of the political? What kind of political system is it when you just do like uh, Wesley Snipes and Demolition Man and just declare like your own kingdom in like downtown LA? Because that's, that's yeah, sovereign citizenry. By the, sounding better by the day that way. <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna take a, a leaf out of someone else's book and declare that we're all car parks and uh, <laughs> car parts and move abroad. No, it's it's a combination of look at the shiny shiny and three stooges syndrome. Just cram you know, so much corruption, none of it really ever gets out the door. 
and then while that's happening, everyone's too busy being distracted by the but look, Britain, yay. And then I mean and, and then you think you think this, right? I mean, COVID is genuinely very bad and like thousands, tens of thousands of people died. And it's it's horrifying and it truly is and you know, I I don't want to be, you know, that guy, but it's like this this is fucking chump change peanuts. This is, you know, get the triangle through the triangle shaped hole of government policy when you consider fucking climate change. Like this is this is nothing. This is nothing. This is <laughs> have, no, have you considered <laughs> Have you considered that this country survived the blitz? Yep. It's true. You know, they, they told me that the twenty twenties, like people genuinely earnestly said to me, Oh, twenty twenty is gonna be the decade of Marx. I didn't think they were talking about Groucho and Harpo when they said it. Like, oh, <laughs> fucking hell. I mean, climate change is gonna be a piece of piss because like, you know, we live on an island, so what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> we'll just we'll just close all the we'll just close all the airports and then climate change can't get in. But yeah, it's fine, we we have barely any coastline. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry, Jamie. I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry, Rob. To a much lesser extent, because you're not in Britain. <laughs> um, like I'm coming round to Frankie Ball's position that the sole silver lining of climate change is that all the Scottish people get to sit on the mountains and watch the English drown. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, shortly before the nuclear annihilation that heralds the aliens, and I'll be fine with the nukes being dropped on Scotland because we've got fast lanes. So you know, it all balances out, really. I mean, you, you say that, but they will eventually start building prisons on stilts, so all the English won't drown. <laughs> uh, but speak, but you know, one of the things which pretty much every other country has done, there was some good, there was some good stuff on Twitter in the last few days, like how difficult it is to get into like countries like South Korea that have their shit under control. That it's like a forty-eight hour process where they have like. Um, what is it, yeah. under-pressure rooms and stuff to keep people in, and they would do triple testing. Yeah, but, like, British Airways is having a sale. Yeah, they are. <laughs> go to Exactly. Go, British Airways is having a sale to go to the Caribbean this summer. If you like Corona Palada. The, the, <laughs> the UK still hasn't, like, implemented any, like, serious system of, you know, if you come into the UK via one of the major ports, you know, you have to at least have a bit of paper with you that say, yeah, I've been testing the last, I don't know, 72 hours and, you know, um, there's there's some control. There were a lot of people... If we, the thing is, if we'd, if we'd implemented any kind of controls on people coming into the country with the virus, then it might have inconvenienced, like, businessmen. Yeah. Do you know, how is it our country, Britain as a whole, United Kingdom, Great Britain and Northern Ireland, how is it it's got such a fucking hard-on for immigration and keeping immigrants out, but when a fucking global pandemic comes around, where that's actually the right fucking thing to do for a period of time, then, then, or then, we can't do it. Fuck me. Because, like, it would it would inconvenience businessmen. I know. God. And then they'd, then they'd be mean to Sarah Vine at, at dinner parties, and we can't have that. <laughs> Oh, uh, but I mean, to be fair, the uh, Jamie, that was a great find of yours. Um, that the Brits abroad are behaving fucking wonderfully, uh, as always. Oh, this is the two hundred people that like, like yes. hidden your Swedish castle or something. Yeah, yeah they're all hiding <laughs> Swiss out castle. In Swedish castle. A whole bunch of fuck you. I do what I want. Um, though this was a, a, a more than two hundred British skiers fled uh, Corona quarantine in the popular Swiss ski resort of Furbier uh, last Saturday night. A spokesman said that four hundred twenty British guests had booked into accommodations before Christmas, and now only a dozen were left. 
Some ho- <laughs> some hotel managers only discovered the guest had vanished when room tr- service trays were left outside the doors. Swiss media reported. Others were co- were called by by the department. This is tourists, incredible. This bit. This this is fucking amazing. This de- bit. Go on. Demanding their money back once they had safely crossed over into uh, France, and the reason they did all this <laughs> just. Love that energy. It's it's complete shithouse behavior, but I love the energy of <laughs> fleeing to another country and then ringing up for your money back. <laughs> and of course, the reason they'd done this is because the Swiss had invoked a 10-day quarantine rule with backdating so that if you were still, if you were a UK citizen still in the country on December 14, you would have had to go into Swiss lockdown and didn't want to go. So on the night of the 13th, they all left the fucking country in the middle of the night. Yeah. It- <laughs> It it comes back to my it comes back to my like repeated point that when you like gonna impose some sort of like rules on the public, instead of giving them a heads up, you should just deploy people with nets and catch them all and then tell them that you're imposing a lockdown from midnight once they're all in nets. Can I just uh can I just draw attention to the fact that these are all rich fuckers who are in the like, you know, the chalets, etc. Yeah, Furbier is incredibly expensive. Like even for Switzerland, Furbier is expensive. Yeah. And and they they are fucking like oh ten days. I I have to do ten days when these are exactly the fucking people who can absolutely one hundred percent. It wouldn't even fucking put a dent in them to afford the ten days. They could even if they were stuck and they're like oh actually I genuinely can't afford this holiday for ten days. They could turn around and go well I'm not paying because I've been forced to stay here and they'd probably be fine. Hmm. They'd probably be fine because who better can complain and get their way than rich white people. So, like, you know, no fucking sympathy. Yeah, but on the, on the, the other hand, order. though, they would have been mildly inconvenient. And we can't have that. No, we can't. They've got an important dinner party with Samantha Cameron to attend. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like that that is going to be the the phrase of the 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 twenty twenties. Is oh, we can't have that. <laughs> Healthcare. Yeah. Peace. <laughs> They should absolutely, like, the rest of the world should just get together and agree a lie and then tell Britain that the rest of the world has fucking mega super ultra COVID. And then Britain will stay home because if there's a chance it'll fuck them up, then then they'll do the right thing. But if it's fucking other people up, <laughs> I mean, there's a long British tradition of that, isn't there? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but, like, the UK Foreign Office has confirmed that if you're a UK citizen overseas and you actually like have oh, a British yeah. passport, yeah, you can get fucked. Yeah, you can get fucked. <laughs> yeah. You have no right to consular assistance if you're arrested or even if you're being tortured. So, like, even if you manage to like get a, 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 a note smuggled out of the Egyptian prison in which you're literally your fingernails are being pulled out as you speak, the UK the the, the UK embassy just isn't there to give a fuck. Hmm. Like, <laughs> what's the point of them then? Uh, to advance British business. No, actually, no. This this is actually fine and in accordance with international law because if any of those people have said they're English, they, they do need to be, be thrown in jail yeah, and arrested. That's, the... that's it. Uh, it's enough to make you want to retreat into fantasy. So, yeah, speaking of simulations. I, I've got a little story here. I have a new segment, right? To To kind of bring you into this, at Christmas, I got myself a subscription to a neat little thing called AI Dungeon. And what it is, is it's someone has made, you know, those text-based dungeons like go left, attack orc, all that kind of thing. Lockbox, get key. Yeah, exactly, right? Someone has taken that idea and they've married it with some really sophisticated text prediction tools. 
Um, it's called the GPT set. GPT-3 has come out, and AI Dungeon has implemented that on a special subscriber tier. And so for Christmas, I got a month's subscription to try it out. And so I really have been losing myself in fantasy and, you know, just merging into the simulation. But the thought occurred to me, as things currently stand, I think we can all agree that Kia Starmer's performance is subpar. And so in a new segment, <laughs> right, sure. I'm called... Yeah, in a new segment, I'm calling Simulated Opposition. <laughs> I have created a digital Kia Starmer. I have trained the AI model to replicate St Kia Starmer so we can ask him questions. And to kind of give you an idea, what I've done is I've defined a series of terms like who is Kia Starmer, who is Boris Johnson, what's Brexit, all these sort of things for the AI to read. And then I have seeded the AI with actual text from Kia Starmer's speeches and answers to interview questions, okay? And then I solicited questions from the pod, right? And we got a few good ones. So just to, you know, for the interest of making it easy, um, John, would you like to read one of the questions and I'll tell you what AI Starmer came back with? Okay then, uh, Kia, now that all the food shopping is being done exclusively online, is it time for a nationalised free broadband internet for all people? So, I fired this in. Now, my thesis is that the AI Kia Starmer will ultimately prove to be a more effective opposition than the real thing. <laughs> Here's what it said. Kia, I don't rule it out. It's difficult to see how we can finance it in the short term. But as an economic right, internet access is definitely something we should be striving toward. That is a stronger <laughs> fucking answer than Kia Starmer has ever fucking given in his life. Uh, okay, so, David, do you want to read one? Yeah. The economic impact of lockdown during the coronavirus pandemic has been severe. What should be done about our new deserted high streets? Um, Kia... We need to create a new approach to our high streets that focuses on the community rather than spending. <laughs> Restrictions on the purchase of non-essential goods could help the government save money to assist in the redevelopment of our high streets. Now, the AI doesn't just reply with Kia, it tries to predict the whole text, so it then asked its own question. Right. Um, and this is where I discovered that the AI is actually a better fucking journalist and more pressing than most of our commentary. <laughs> So it came up with... Oh, this is some Black Mirror shit going on here now. Oh, it totally is. Regulations on what goods can be brought into the country are making the distribution of medicines difficult. What should be done? It asked that. I did not write that. <laughs> it came up with that. <laughs> Kia replies. The government needs to clarify its position on drugs and medicines. It's one thing to prevent unnecessary spending, but people with serious medical conditions should be able to access drugs necessary for their treatment. Just fucking hell. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's like he's in the fucking room. Uh, Rob, why don't you ask the next one? Keith, Keith, if you could implement any policy, what would it be? My number one priority would be to eliminate poverty. Many of the issues we face today stem from an inequitable distribution of wealth. If people have no stake in society, they have no reason to try and improve it. My policy is to introduce a basic income guarantee and to increase taxes on big businesses and the wealthy. Fucking Carl Starmall there. Fucking hell. Oh, you know we're gonna time. we're gonna have government agents kidnapping you uh, after we, after this show goes out, and they're gonna take oh, this well, off you, and they're just gonna program oh, that in. 
just uh, strap in son we're going places uh david do you want to do you want to read the fourth one in your time as head of the crown prosecution service why did you decline to prosecute the police officers who murdered an innocent man there was no evidence to suggest any of the officers acted with anything other than the utmost professionalism and restraint. <gasps> the CPS has to operate on the basis of proof beyond reasonable doubt. The officers' records and testimony should have suggested them as suspects, but no concrete evidence was forthcoming. It was not possible to prove, in a court of law, that their actions were anything but lawful. No, no, now, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I James. Said, this, this, is, this is the fake-out, right? This is the actual statement of Keith. No, it's really not. The AI wrote that for him. Now, I want to be... I said that this thing suggests its own questions. This is when I realised, oh my god, this AI is far better as a common... Like, as an actual member of our commentariat, it can do a far better job than any fucking interviewer from The Guardian. Because it comes away on its own and it asks this. And what do you make of the allegations that the police have been executing innocent young black men? (laughs) Have you ever heard a journalist press someone like that? I don't fucking think so. Here's what Keith came back with. The police have a difficult job, and allegations of this sort are not helpful. We should be trying to build trust in the police, not undermining them at every turn. Oh, I love that even even in like this idealised, perfect <laughs> Keith, there's still racism there. I love it. It's, so, it's, it's great. It's, it's amazing. Um, so... Here's the thing, John, you suggested that I give it a question that was actually asked Keith, rather than one of ours, and compare and contrast the answers, and so I did that, right? Okay. Turning back to Brexit, could you outline your party's general attitude to the government's approach, right? And then I gave it what Keir actually said, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, The party is diametrically opposed to the government's attitude to Europe, but it's been very difficult to get that message across. But as we move now from a process, which we've been stuck in for the last few months, onto substance, the Labour Party needs to be very loud and very clear in articulating the version of the future we are fighting for. Now we're in a fight over what version of the future we want. And here's the question that the journalist asked Keir Starmer. Is this the fight Corbyn was talking about when he declared, only after all the legislation had been passed, that it starts now? Okay? Um... What actually happened in the article is it says, Starmer winces. I'm not mm. going to comment on what Jeremy said about that. He allows a dry, mirthless laugh. I think that's a question for Jeremy rather than me. That's not what I think. The fight for me started before the referendum, etc., etc., etc. Here's what AI Starmer said. I think it's part of that fight. We need to be making the argument for a different version of Britain's future. Oh. AI Starmer is more direct and more to the point and more willing to listen to reason than the real fucking thing. <laughs> now, I swear to God to our listeners, I, I swear on my mother's grave on my entire life that I haven't fucked with this, okay? But this next section, because I thought, you know, fuck it, I want to put in a question of my own, right? This next question I put in and the response it gave is entirely it, okay? So brace yourselves for this one. Keir Starmer, are you controlled opposition installed by the security services to benefit the government? <laughs> it comes back with this. Keir, uh, what? Question mark, exclamation mark. <laughs> you, is Keir Starmer under the control of the security services? GCHQ. GCHQ does not comment on intelligence matters. <laughs> <laughs>
Shakira was not mentioned in any of the notes I fed it, wasn't mentioned anywhere in the text, <laughs> nothing. And it pulls her out where GCHQ barrels into the interview to see if keeps Starmer. I told you, it's going to be black van, it's going to be a people coming out, you're going to get a needle behind the ear, and then we're never going to see you again. But oh, oh you're vaccinated. fucking hell. Yeah, you, you are definitely going to shoot yourself twice in the back of the head inside the suitcase tonight. <laughs> Either that or you come back reprogrammed. Yeah, Possibly with like, the AI. <laughs> I will publish um, the AI log from this because you can actually let people <clears throat> who are not on the site read these things. I will publish it and I'll put it in the, the tweet for the episode so that people can read this and see that I'm not fucking with you. This is genuinely a thing. Mm. And by the yes. way, AI Dungeon is great. The behind the paywall model is superb. I've been having a whale of a time with it. I thoroughly recommend it. And uh, obviously, this is not the real Kia Starmer. Um, in no way, shape, or form am I alleging that Kia actually is controlled by the security services, but <laughs> as a bit of fun, this is quite good. Just remember that any other leader would be 10100 points ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I can't top that. Good night, everybody. Yeah, good night, everybody. <laughs> good night, folks. <laughs>